I'm Katie Davis. I'm Ken Kurzel. We're the leaders of the James Moore Collegiate Athletics team. One thing we love about working uh, with colleges is that we get to be on campus and we get to uh, explore college towns, trying local food, learning about their traditions, and of course, sampling local beers. Uh, aside from being on campus, we feel like we do our best work uh, at a local brewery just around the corner from our office, where we uh, brainstorm over a beer together and uh, bat around new ideas that could help the business of college athletics. So one of my prouder accomplishments is the fact that when Katie and I started working together years ago and would travel to collegiate athletic clients across the country uh, sampling beer, she might have started with a Budweiser while I was drinking as a typical craft beer snob, drinking a, uh, a great American craft beer. Uh, she has gradually converted to my ways on there and now goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with me drinking good beer. So cheers to you, Katie. Cheers. What are you um, having today? I am having uh, Resin, which is a double IPA from Six Point Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. Um, resin is a, kind of an old school double IPA, not, not in the new style of hazy New England style juicy. Um, it's resiny, just like its name, and nice and bitter, and, um, and I love it. It's a great beer. What are you drinking? Yeah. So I got mine from a local brewery, the one that I talked about that's around um, from our office called Blackadder, who is still serving us um, beer and growlers, even though we have to be social distancing. Um, I'm drinking Queenie, which is one of their red ales. And um, I'm going to go ahead and log this on a tap. Um, I drink it regularly and give it a 4.5 and feeling like it's a 4.5 again today. Uh, what are you going to give yours? So I'm going to give a resin a 4.25, um, you know, which is I'm looking back. I've logged it before. The 4.25 is a little bit higher. Uh, that might be uh, a little bit coronavirus influenced. Um, originally, Katie and I planned to actually film from Blackadder. Um, and about a month ago, uh, middle, of middle of March, uh, which seems like years ago now, um, we were in Nashville together at the uh, SEC conferences uh, with the CFOs. And um, it was kind of the day that college sports um, came to a big pause. Uh, I'm not going to call it death because uh, it'll come back, but it uh, oh, came to a oh, big pause, oh. um, which was really sad and unfortunate and still feels surreal. Um, a lot's happened in the last month. And one of the things we want to talk about today was just really five key things that, um, that we've seen and heard as we've talked to clients and friends in the industry. Uh, over this last month in this current environment. So Katie, uh, kick off with kind of what's the number one thing that, um, that you're noticing uh, in the current environment? Yeah, so I would say uh, number one and probably the first challenge all the schools faced was how to handle internal communications during uh, crisis mode. And, um, you know, we know that everyone's talking all the time about this. And we know that Athletic directors are connected with each other through the NCAA, through their conferences, through other avenues, and um, recognizing that there's a lot of information being shared. How does that trickle through campus? How do presidents stay informed um, when decisions are being made? And I feel like the CFO's role is crucial in this time because you have a pulse on the financial information. You can project out different financial scenarios and I think having that transparency and be able to, being able to provide that to your AD and your president as they're making the tough decisions, it just provides them more context to give them a little more comfort in the decisions that they're making. 
right? One thing that I know I've commented to you before that I thought was just interesting is the fact that in public companies, CEOs and CFOs, they often are tied at the hip, uh, you know, just working uh, lockstep or, you know, running the business kind of talking day by day as they look at things. We don't really see that, unfortunately, is quite as true in collegiate athletics. Um, maybe this current crisis changed that, changes that because certainly um, everything right now is, you know, uh, there, there's so much that's obviously financial related uh, in the current crisis, um, which kind of brings us to number two, uh, the number number two theme that we're seeing, and um, that's in the area of revenues. Yeah, so just there's an overall threat to revenue streams and not all schools, but most of the schools in the NCAA have football programs and rely on their football programs as the primary revenue generator. Um, so media revenues, ticket sales, sponsorships, all of those things are tied to football season. And um, there are different scenarios. Nobody knows what football season is going to look like, and we're not here to try to speculate what it's going to look like. But I think that schools are running you know, anywhere from two to three different models on what that's going to look like and what the revenue mix is, depending on whether there is a season, if there is a season, if it's shorter, if there's fans in attendance or not, and, um, you know, looking at, at how that's going to impact their program as a whole. Right. And different schools have different threats, really, too, uh, thinking that, OK, power five schools, the, the big threats are going to be in those areas of ticket revenues, um, you know, contributions, those areas. But then group of five schools and other smaller schools, I mean, could even see threats to uh, student athletic fees, you know, because obviously if uh, student athletic fees are typically based upon the fact that um, that there are going to be athletic seasons and often free tickets for students and all of that. So you're going to see challenges from uh, if, if, if fans aren't allowed into games and so forth. It's probably likely that, that student bodies are going to be asking for refunds of the student athletic fees uh, or just not have them charged in the future yeah, for this next year. Um, so really, it's it's the type of thing that hits both the power five schools as well as the smaller schools just in different areas. Um, that kind of brings us to number three, which is an interesting observation you made the other day to me that, um, you know, looking back to where we were when college basketball was paused, one of the interesting things is there have been no changes to head coaches uh, in the college basketball arena for the most part. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I was talking with someone that works in the uh, in the athletic searching industry and for personnel. And and he mentioned that to me and, and I was, you know, had paused and said, well, yeah, that it's surprising that rarely happens, but it makes sense in this case because there are, um, you know, huge buyouts attached to coaching contracts if they're terminated before the contract period ends. Um, and it's also very costly to look for a new coach and logistically almost impossible when you need to meet with them face to face and you want to invite them to come on campus and see what they'll be working with. So it makes complete sense to me, um, but it is a surprising uh you know consequence of the times that we're in right now yeah which is you know probably never to be seen again quite frankly really unique situation and it, and it kind of ties into the idea that with all the threats to revenue streams uh naturally cfos needing to look to the cost side and um really cost containment and what kind of what are you seeing in that area what, the, what is the discussion centering around on that yeah, I mean, I'm seeing that everybody from the largest of the large of Power Five down to Division Two and everyone in between really is looking for ways to cut costs. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, the Group of Five and FCS 
and even no men's football size schools, they have um, cut the low hanging fruit type costs long ago. And now they're looking for even more creative ways to cut costs that aren't their people related costs. So um, I think that some of the larger schools that have never really had to deal with this before could learn a lot from these smaller schools. Um, just seeing what strategies they used, uh, what worked, what didn't work when they went through it uh, initially. And, you know, I think that um, really looking for as many opportunities as possible to cut costs, whether it's travel related, um, uh, you know, apparel related. We've heard a lot of other conversations around how to cut those costs. Right now. And um, and as they cut costs, I think it's going to be important that um, <clears throat> that they go number five on our list really is just kind of this idea of a short term versus long term mentality and the risks of making decisions too early. So, um, you know, talk about that a little bit. Uh, what do you see as 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 um, as some risks that we move for as we move forward here? Yeah. So, I mean, like anything, I mean, we were having before coronavirus, we were having this conversation about name image likeness and not developing policies and things like that before all is said and done. And I think the same is true here where, um, you know, a lot of schools have had to already start cutting, um, making cuts to people costs, whether it's, um, you know, furloughs or percentage cuts. Some schools have had to drop sports um, and, you know, those those kind of decisions are really tough and it's really hard to add a new sport back that you've yeah. cut once you've cut it. So, um, you know, don't make decisions too prematurely and don't make them without thinking about the long-term impacts and any unintended consequences and, um, you know, be prepared, model it out and see what it looks like so you can make the best decisions when the time is right. Right. So, yeah, and I definitely hope that's what schools do, because as we sit here in April, my hope is that that things somehow do improve and that there is a way for there still to be fall sports and, and all of that. I mean, I know some days I wake up and read the papers and and it just seems like there's no way that can happen. And then the next day there's more optimistic stories. So I hope that the decisions aren't made too soon and that we kind of wait and see what May and June bring. And and kind of, you know, hope for the best uh, for there being some sort of fall sports season. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. that that hits our top five. Uh, we hope this was informative for you and we'll be coming to you every Thursday from our homes and um, look for any comments, questions. Uh, please email us. Uh, you can go to our website and submit uh, a contact information if you'd like for us to reach out to you. We would just love to hear what it is that you need to know right now. And um, we will share that with you every Thursday at 4.30 Eastern. Uh, in the meantime, you can also check out more information on our website or follow us on social media. Uh, you can even look us up on Untapped and see how we are spending our time at home um, after hours. So uh, thanks for tuning in and we will see you again next week. Cheers. Cheers.